You're listening to Tax FM 107.2. So, Christy, um, I've been thinking about um, consent a lot because it's very topical at the moment. And I think in the current sort of moment, we're presenting this idea of enthusiastic and ongoing consent as the way forward, particularly around sexual encounters. But I, I'm sort of wondering whether that's always as realistic as we, it sounds good on paper, but this is, is it as realistic as we make it out to be? And why I say that is because I think in other parts of our lives, we are quite used to being sort of semi-bullied and manipulated into doing things we don't really want to do. You know, being persuaded by our friends to go out against our better judgment. Or, you know, sometimes thinking of a parent-child relationship, our mom or our dad says, no, I know you want to do this, or I want you to do this, and you sort of give in. So in some parts of our lives, we've kind of learned that we can be manipulated into something, um, or we learn to manipulate other people into stuff. And yet now in, in a sort of sexual moment, I'm wondering, don't we bring some of those ambiguities into the consent discussion? I think we do. But I think it's it's more than that. I don't think it's always even necessarily overt manipulation. For me, it's a fact that sex and sexuality is not rational. Um, so we go from this idea that sexual attraction, for example, you can't predict in a sense you can't you know you can't sit down and make a list of like this is the person who I will be sexually attracted to it kind of just happens um, and then going from that idea to this idea of like okay next step before we enter very passionate irrational sex we have to think through this rationally I think it's not only unrealistic but also maybe sets unrealistic expectations um, out there um, and sets up people to fail. But I, I do think, and I think this is often the problem with a lot of lot of issues around sex, is that we don't have a thread that pulls through our entire kind of life, you know, lives. Like, y- you have this idea of, you know, you can bully someone. You think, oh, you're saying you don't want to go out, but I know you'll enjoy it. I can see you're tired. I know you just need a drink. Um, and so I don't feel bad to kind of pressure you for a bit because I know you'll enjoy it. Um, and it's kind of the same idea around pressuring someone into sex, but somehow we think that our sexual lives are separate. Like we, it's almost the opposite. <laughs> in fact, like it's one of the areas perhaps where you most irrational and most kind of not taking the moment to to stop yeah. to say let's think this through. Yeah, I mean, I'm thinking, you know, like what you bring to your sexual encounter with someone is a whole lot of things. It's sort of your own, your mood, um, your history of sexual encounters, whether you've consented to certain things in the past but changed your mind now about whether you really like them. Um, Maybe self-esteem is in the mix, you know, like you're feeling low, you feel your body isn't great and your partner suggests something experimental and you think, well, well, if he or she wants it, then maybe I should give it a try. You know, like sometimes we can also, our partners could do things to us in the sexual moment where they haven't asked for permission but in fact, we think, oh, that's nice. 
I think I'll go with that. You know, in terms of sort of current consent debates, yeah, I mean, it's a slippery slope, um, which I think the, this debate around consent has completely changed that our understanding of what sex is in the last fifteen years or so. Um, because I don't think before this historical moment, you know, there was ever this idea that we had to stop everything. There's like a kind of break in which we have to enthusiastically give consent. Um, but also related to that, and I think maybe your point earlier, um, there's this kind of weird separation between what people consider to be real sex, which often is penetrative, um, and other sexual acts. So we don't, I think, think that the same urgency around consent exists in kissing or in hugging or, you know, putting your hand on someone's leg, um, which also breaks up the idea of sexual encounter in, in strange ways. Yeah. So the sort of different hierarchies of what is needs consent and what doesn't need consent, whereas mm -hmm. Um, in fact, some sex or some sexual encounter may never involve penetration. So do you in your own mind think, well, I don't need to ask permission for anything because we, it isn't about penis and vagina or penis and anus, I suppose. Yeah. So I think that's very important. But also, you know, as we're talking, I'm um, sort of second guessing ourselves, too, is that we we always need to factor in questions of power. And, and who has more power in that encounter that sometimes the the when the power lies with one person not giving consent uh, is becomes harder um, or maybe the powerful person doesn't actually feel they're obliged to ask for consent mm. and I'm thinking some of the power dynamics could be class you know it could be age um, it could be money um, it could be a host of factors, and so that you you're in that moment with someone who you you know has more power than you, or you feel it but you can't articulate it. Do you feel as able to give an enthusiastic mm. yes or an or a definite no to something, yeah. particularly if they haven't even asked for it? Yeah, I mean, for me, once again, it goes back to our everyday lives. If you in your life in this world is a person who does not have the power or does not occupy a position in society where you have a lot of agency, where you get to practice to say, no, I don't want to do this, where you say, yes, this is what I'm going to do, then there's no reason on earth why you would be able to all of a sudden be articulate, um, express your agency in a sexual encounter with someone with more power. Um, yeah, and, and and the current sort of thinking about how we ask for, how we do consent in a sexual encounter is that we shouldn't emphasis shouldn't be on the person who's always saying no, but on the person who's asking. And I'm I'm suppose we're saying if a person has social power, they're not necessarily used to asking for permission for stuff. So we in a sense thrown back to the person who's in the position of being the gatekeeper and saying mm. no. So that, I think that's a an interesting tension in the current sort of requirement for um, a definite request and an enthusiastic yes or a definite no from the other person. Right. You're listening to the rhythm of the campus, Tax FM one oh seven point two. And I think also the other like very complicated thing around consent is that the way in which we frame this issue of consent makes it out as though we always have very clear-cut ideas about what we want. 
right? It, it doesn't really account for this um, feeling of you're going into a sexual en- encounter, you're not 100% sure. It's not like you're not consenting. You're thinking, okay, I'm not sure about this. Let's go for it. Maybe afterwards feeling, uh, yeah, I don't know if this was the right thing. Um, because our own feelings are, you know, sex is complicated. Our feelings about it is, is complicated and can be all over the place. And you can change your mind and change it back again, um, which makes consent difficult because it means that I, I guess there's a lot of responsibility on both parties throughout to kind of check in with, with their partner or partners, if that is your thing. Yeah, and I also think that the um, the question of regret is interesting. That sometimes we can consent to a, 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 a series of things in a sexual encounter, and sometimes in the moment regret we gave the consent, but feel unable to to change our mind because of maybe power dynamics, or we don't want to let the other person down, or they're clearly enjoying themselves. So who am I to deprive them of their pleasure? Or, or maybe afterwards, you know, we kind of think, I'm, I don't know, I'm, I'm sure all of us have been in a situation where we've consented to something or some things in a sexual encounter and afterwards thought, why did I do that? Um, I wish I'd said something in that moment. M- maybe those are, those are important self-reflective mm. moments where we, we need to say, why did I not say something at that time? I mean, yeah. how can I find a way to bring that into the conversation earlier or just in that moment be able to say, you know what, I'm not comfortable right mm. now or, or push the person away. Yeah. But I also think that with the introduction of a kind of like internet world, that's become so heightened because it's not only a case of, as it were, I don't know how things worked 30 years ago, but sort of I guess you meet someone and write them a letter, whatever. Whereas now with the internet, you know, you have social media and it's so instant. You don't really have time to to think through this, um, if you send a message to someone, it's gone. Um, you can't take it back, even if you do regret it. There. So I, I think it makes this idea of taking time to really think, what do I want to do with this other person, with this attention? I'm phrasing the sentence terribly. Um, but it makes it more difficult because we all, I mean, sex is is around pleasure and emotions and things. And often when we are in a heightened state of, of arousal, of pleasure, whatever, we, we do stupid things um, that you then can't take back. Yep, once it's out there in social media, it's never, it's never gone. And I suppose it raises the question, if you send someone an intimate picture of yourself, what are you consenting to, to allow them to do with that picture? Yeah. Which is, I don't know, I, I've never thought of that question in the way that you just phrased it. Like, what are you, what are you consenting to? I'm always just stopping at thinking, don't include your face. Um, <laughs> so I guess implicitly what you're consenting to is, is you're consenting that that person sees your picture. And I don't know, if is it in your power what they then do with it? it not in terms of sending it on, but... You know, is it fair to send someone a picture and then be angry when they, when they masturbate? Is that over uh, the picture? You, yeah, yeah. Are you are you consenting to that? So, is anything they do within the privacy of of your relationship yeah. fine? Or yeah. 
And do, what if they've got a collection of such pictures and have now stored them? I mean, you, are you consenting to be in their gallery mm. of intimate pictures? I don't yeah. think people think that stuff through. And maybe, um, you know, we don't want to be the sort of policing here mm. in this sort of series. But I think it it really is important to think about before you send something like that. But I suppose it does go to I mean, our, our, our I thing. Know, like, I don't think it's that big of a deal, actually. As long as you don't, you know, like, like don't be stupid about it. Don't put your face or any recognizable, you know, Tattoo. tattoos or piercings into it. But otherwise, I feel if you... If you don't have any issues with it, then I don't think it should be a very big deal. So what are we saying about consent in summary? I think we're saying it's it can be complicated, but it's it's not impossible to have a consensual encounter. And that, in fact, the more we're encouraging people to to think about what they're doing, to take, I suppose, ownership of their own thoughts and ideas and needs and their own agency and and be willing to and able to kind of unpack all these things that we've been talking about and and come to some point where I'm saying I know what I want um, and I'm willing to ask for it and I'm willing to say no to what I don't want but also maybe accepting that there might be some moments where we we will do things we regret but having done that analysis afterwards hopefully coming back feeling more confident yeah, I think so. I, I think for me it's important to have a kind of, for yourself, with, without a partner or partners, to kind of reflect on what you're comfortable with and where where certain boundaries are for you because in that moment it's too late to do that. You can't in the moment where someone's saying, let's do this for the first time, think about like, am I okay with this? You kind of have to have that sorted out. Um, and I remember once... Um, at the very kind of start of, of consent debates coming more popular, um, reading someone who wrote that there's a lot to be learned in, around consent in the kink community and the ways in which people who are into BDSM, other forms of bondage, um, have really negotiated very, very well this idea of when do you consent, where does consent stop, where does it start. Um, and apparently, you know, they do quite well to adhere to one another's wishes. Study, party, listen. This is Tax FM 107.2.